Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, we're going to be joined by Executive Director Mike Hendricks. He's with the Invisible Wounds Project, which is a great, great organization here in the state of Minnesota. And the, the, the timing to me is just perfect with all of the all the issues that we have, both in the state of Minnesota and nationally in, in, in regards to law enforcement, concerns about refunding, defunding, reform. Um, Mike Hendricks, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Sheriff. It's wonderful what you're doing and helping spread the mission and uh, letting people know that it's okay to not be okay. Well, and you too. Uh, you, you guys have a great organization going. Tell us, tell us more about Invisible Wounds Project, um, who started it and, and, and why. What, what motivated you guys to get to do this here in Minnesota? Uh, well, it was started in 2009 by Russ Haynes. Uh, so Russ was a dispatcher at the time, and he wanted a way to honor his father, who is a military vet. Uh, his father really enjoyed classic cars, um, and so he started what is Cruise for Troops. So that is a classic car show, uh, a cruise throughout the county, and it's just grown and grown every year. Uh, and in 2017, Russ realized that there are so many more people that need help. Uh, he himself, being a dispatcher, knew that dispatchers were quite often the unsung heroes that never got closure to anything uh, because their involvement ended as soon as the first responder showed up. And so he was dealing with some issues with that. Uh, some of his partners were dealing with those issues. Uh, and so we grew into what is now Invisible Wounds Project, where we help uh, military, law enforcement, fire, frontline medical staff, corrections, dispatch, and their families with mental health issues, PTSD, and suicide. That's great. So he, so in the, the, the connection with dispatch is interesting because that's a group of heroes that I think are all too often forgotten. Uh, being behind the mic, you, you never see them. They're the, they're the heroes you never see, you only hear. But yet they're, they are the first responder. They're the first call. Um, they're the first people on the call. I mean, they're the first people that get that information and, and uh, are there to help the, the subject in need as well as to make sure that first responders are out there. And with the dispatchers, uh, for me, uh, I think dispatch is so important and the, the, the stress management and, and mental health is so important with dispatchers because being on the road, having been a cop for 20 some years, when we're on the road, we get to take one call at a time. And if you're a dispatcher, you're taking every call. You know, granted, you got some agencies that have call takers and they have the 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 fire dispatchers and the police dispatchers and, and, and whatever the case may be. But in most, at least in Minnesota, in greater Minnesota, most of us have one or two dispatchers on. So they're doing everything. And that amount of stress is is incredible. And I think uh, I think people forget about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was law enforcement for 12 years, and I don't know how many times uh, dispatch, I don't want to say saved my butt, but they relayed information in such a way that it changed the way I was responding right. to the calls. And they prevented what could have been a tragic situation and made it very manageable. Uh, they're calm in times of crisis. Uh, and they're just, like you said, they're the unsung heroes. They're they're vital to what we do and people don't 
recognize it and they don't want that attention, but I feel they need that attention. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They never get the closure of the calls as the first responders do. They know what's happening. Dispatch has no clue. Right. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. So with uh, Invisible Wounds Project, explain the different areas that you cover and the kind of services that you provide for first responders. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're not a, a one-stop shop. Uh, we understand that people's healing processes and journeys are unique to their, to them uh, as individuals. And we will work with our clients to find the best possible resource for them personally. Uh, if that's traditional therapy, we will uh, provide payment to therapy centers until it is deemed quote unquote, not critical. Uh, and then we'll let their insurance take over from there. Uh, we partner with a great nonprofit in the North Metro uh, in Forest Lake. They are called Acres for Life. Right. Uh, they do uh, traditional therapy. They can provide faith-based therapy. And they're an international leader in equine therapy, which is a very, very unique form of therapy uh, where you have to be present. You can't you can't be in your own head while you're out there with these two ton animals. Uh, and it, it's at first it sounded like mumbo jumbo to me. And then, you know, it, during my visits to that place, I realized how magical it really is. Uh, and there was this one horse that just kept coming up to me, coming up to me. And one time it just got super emotional and I started crying and, Oh, wow. the horse put it, put its head right, you know, right on my chest, right over my heart. And we just stood there and it was so powerful, um, you know, but that's not for everybody. Right. So, you know, we'll work with our clients, with our partners uh, to find out what is going to be the best help for them. So what's the area that you cover? We cover the entire state of Minnesota. Oh, you do. Okay, great. Yes. Great. Yep. So we recently just restructured our nonprofit. Um, so I am now the director of Southern Minnesota. And Russ is taking over as director of Northern Minnesota. Uh, there's just so much work and we are growing so fast. It was just too much for me to handle alone. So we decided to kind of split it up so I can focus on uh, expanding our services south and Russ can focus on moving it farther north. So how have you seen as far as your the numbers or the officers or the first responders that you're helping, how have those numbers changed uh, since the Floyd incident and the riots up in Minneapolis? Oh, they've, they've changed dramatically. Uh, so our first responders, they're just, they just can't take it anymore. Uh, you know, there's so many different factors that contribute to the mental wellness of being law enforcement. And as you well know, these people get into this because it's who they are. You know, they have that, that, distinction between right and wrong and they want to protect the people that are doing right and you know get either change behaviors or incarcerate the people that are doing wrong and making victims out of these people right um and it just seems like everything kind of flipped upside down and i'm not saying mr floyd deserved what he got no, I, i'm not taking a stance on that whatsoever yep uh but just the way that they're treated now and the brazenness of these criminals you look at minneapolis and their homicides have doubled right you know and i i just a lot of these people just can't take it because they don't feel 
uh, they're being supported and they're putting their lives on the line every time they walk out that door. Right. And the reality is, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, the, the amount of stress that these officers are under just on an everyday regular basis on their job is, is it's an incredible amount of stress. I mean, when you look at, when you look at the average, the average person deals with one, two, maybe three major traumas or crises in their life. Um, and three is probably tops. Well, as a law enforcement officer, and you know it as well as I do, I mean, you, that could be a handful of times a week during, a, during an officer's schedule. And uh, it, it, the, just the, the, the amount of cumulative stress that builds up, um, at some point they got to deal with it. And, uh, you know, some, some process it better than others. And, but it's, it's important for us to make sure that we, we have an environment for these cops or, or where we, for Cleo's anyway, for chiefs and sheriffs, I think it's really important that we develop a working environment where, where everybody knows it's okay not to be okay. You know, that, um, that, it, that, that we want you to talk about these. If, if a case is bugging you or an incident's bugging you, you got to talk about it. Um, you know, before when I got, when I was hired, we, that's not what you did. You know, you were, you were a cop. You, this is, this is what you signed up for. Suck it up, you know, take it, deal with it. Don't talk to anybody about it. Don't take it home. And, uh, you know, we'll just do the same thing the next day. And that's, uh, there was no mental health was never discussed back then. But I think now, I think you'd agree, especially with, uh, in light of a lot of the anti-law enforcement rhetoric, uh, it's more important than ever now for, for us to, to make sure our cops are okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And fortunately, that mindset of you signed up for this job, you suck it up and you deal with it and you come back is slowly going away. Right. Uh, and I would have to, I have to give a shout out to Sheriff Leslie from Dakota County Sheriff's Office here in Minnesota. Uh, he was one of the first leaders to really embrace our organization and support what we're doing. Uh, and I know Sheriff Hutchinson in Hennepin County is very open as well right. uh, with their people and employees, uh, employees assistance. Uh, but there still is not that trust there uh, with employer provided mental health care. Uh, our heroes feel that they're going to get that stigma that somehow their sessions are going to make it into their personnel file. Right. And, you know, quite frankly, if you do this job, you know, even fire, medics, emergency room staff, you do any of those jobs for any amount of time, it will change you. It will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's no, so, you know, and like you said, it's okay to not be okay. And it's normal to not be okay. If you were okay after seeing the stuff that you see over and over and over, that would have me more worried. Right. No, absolutely. To me, that means you're not okay. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm curious with, uh, obviously with all the issues we've had in Minnesota in regards to law enforcement, have you guys had any issues with some of these anti-law enforcement groups or the reform groups contacting you or talking to you about, uh, about our cops? Fortunately, no. Uh, we've had some banter back and forth on, uh, either, you know, Facebook messenger or in the comments section, uh, when we give out, you know, certain opinions and we try to label it as opinions. And then we try to back it up with, uh, uh, 
where we resource that information from. Right. And some people just, they don't see it. Uh, we try to keep it civil. Uh, we are non-political in nature at all. We, we don't play any political games. Um, and so if we're putting facts out there, you know, some people might not agree with it. And you know what, I'm open to conversation. If you have differing opinions, that's wonderful. But back it up with some um, uh, resources where you got that information. And right. we can have this civil discussion. And if we don't agree, we don't agree. Uh, but we have been lucky that we have not been targeted as an organization by any of these activist movements. Okay, good. That is good to hear. So you and I met because of the Corey Slifko family. Now, uh, September 26th is National Law Enforcement Suicide Awareness Day. And on the 26th, we're going to release uh, Corey's story. And you and I met because of Corey and uh, because of Katie, his wife. Um, tell me about the Slifco family and how, how Katie got involved with your organization. Absolutely. Uh, so Katie's at a point in her life where she's ready to start processing some of the trauma that's associated with survivors of suicide. Uh, and so she reached out to a mutual friend of ours um, saying, you know, I have some ideas on how I want to make good of this tragedy. Uh, and she started throwing out these ideas to our friend Ashley. Uh, and Ashley is pretty involved uh, with um, Invisible Wounds as well. She is actually our, our board chair. Uh, so Ashley and I started talking and we realized that we could work with Katie to help her vision come to life. Uh, however, that looked, uh, and she was looking for a nonprofit that she could partner with to do this. Uh, so we met for dinner one night and, um, you know, it was the first time I met Katie, uh, and we had some really good conversations and then all of a sudden, I, I'm just become <laughs> a blubbering idiot. And I told my story. Uh, right. She is the only person that has ever heard my story in full. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Even my wife. Um, I just haven't felt comfortable telling her my right. whole story. Right. right. Um, and it just came out. And I believe that that made a connection with Katie uh, because she got just just a little bit of insight what may have been going through Corey's head right, in, in right. the moment that he took his life. Right, right. Um, and we've built a very strong friendship. Uh, her children are wonderful, wonderful yeah. children. And they're so strong and so open about everything that's happened. Um, it's inspiring. I, I wish they didn't have to go through this uh, because right. they're such wonderful people. No, agreed. But, Let's, you know, with with them, I, I think with with Katie, and she and I have talked about this, how when I do line of duty death stories on the Officer Down, uh, I, I kind of my rule of thumb is really anything, typically anything more current than probably 10 years can sometimes be way too fresh for those involved to, to even talk about it. Well, Corey, Corey's story is only, it's, it's not even two years old. Um, and Katie's out there, Katie's out there doing this and, and trying to make a difference. And her kids are too. I think that, like you said, they're just, oh, they're an amazing family. I, I'm excited to, uh, 
you know, I, my background, a little, little history with me. I knew Corey when Corey was in Rochester. Um, Corey worked for a security company in Rochester. I knew him there and um, was friends with him. My dad, who was a retired law enforcement officer, also worked with Corey in Rochester and they were friends. And, and then, uh, you know, for, for me, I grew up two blocks from Katie in the same town. So yeah, I've got, you know, a lot of connections on both sides and, um, man, they're just really, they're amazing people. So his story is going to be super powerful on the 26th. Um, so for, for law enforcement officers in Minnesota, now I'll share this. We had a chaplain that came down from Bloomington in 2020 to train our chaplains. We've got a chaplain program here in Dodge County. And one of the things that she told our chaplains was that she had spent most of that summer counseling officers who could accurately describe to her the taste of their gun barrel. I had never, ever heard that before. And we have 12 chaplains and uh, that room was silent. You know, no, nobody, I just, nobody had ever heard anybody say anything like that before. And so knowing a lot of Minnesota officers are hurting um, with the, certainly with, uh, with Brooklyn Center and with Minneapolis and uh, with all the, the, the reform issues and the anti-law enforcement issues, what, what message do you want to give our law enforcement officers in Minnesota who may be hurting right now that really need the help? I, I just want to tell them that, that we're here. Uh, we provide our services without judgment, free of charge, and absolutely off the record. We keep zero records of our clients. Uh, and if we happen to be using grant monies uh, to provide these services, uh, the provider that they're going to will assign them just a random number letter code that we can use for reporting purposes. Uh, we don't even know. We just get the code. We don't know who it's associated with. Right. Uh, and I think that's vital uh, for these people to to seek help that they know that their information is not going to be shared. I can get a subpoena all day long. I just don't have the records to share. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, and, and it's very important that you seek out the help. However, that help may look. Uh, we have people on our board that understand. Uh, me, myself, as a law enforcement officer, I get it. I've been there. I've been in the darkest corners of my mind. And I struggle every day, but I'm coming out the other end. Uh, and I want our cops to know that it's okay. Right. You can get through it. You have that support. Uh, and same with medics and firefighters. We have medics and firefighters that they can reach out to. We have military members that they can reach out to. Uh, just anybody, uh, they'll listen to your story. They won't judge you. And we are here for you during your darkest times. You serve us self selflessly every day. Let us serve you. That's awesome. So we have listeners all over the country who listen to the podcast. Um, I, I understand you service uh, and provide the service for Minnesota. If somebody from out of state is, is looking for help, can they call or contact you to get some information or ideas on who they can reach out to in their state or their community? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though we are based in Minnesota, uh, if you call us from California, Texas, 
right. you know, we will do what we can to find you resources in those communities. Uh, we have a toll-free 800 number. Uh, we have Facebook, the Instagram, we have, um, you know, email, a website, multitude of ways for you to reach out to us. And then we can pair you with somebody in your area, hopefully, right. uh, or at least, you know, make some recommendations. Uh, a lot of our board, we know heroes from multiple, multiple states that would be more than willing to help us out uh, yep. if need be. So that's awesome. So, so the best place for them to find out more about your organization, where, where, where do they go? Um, I would tell people to visit uh, www.iwproject.org. That is our website. Um, Facebook has a lot of um, a lot of really good info on the events that we do, some of the outings that we've had where our clients say it's okay to post pictures and things like that. Um, we're not very tech savvy on our end, so we don't have a lot of uh, you know the the hot new apps or whatever they may be. So I would say our website or Facebook would be the best way. Um, and then our 800 number, uh, it's 1-855-HELP-IWP, which is 435-7497. That's awesome. Mike, I, I, I got to thank you. This is, I mean, this is something that we really, really need here, um, especially in light of everything that's going on, both in Minnesota and nationally with law enforcement. Also, Mike's going to help us uh, tell Corey's story when we uh, release on the 26th so you hear more uh, more about this great project then. So, Mike, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Appreciate everything you do. Thank you, Sheriff. Uh, thank you for having this podcast. Thank you for giving us uh, an outlet to spread our mission. And, uh, you know, with this partnership, I, I know we're going to save lives. Absolutely. Hey, and everybody, if you're interested in more information about our podcast and the mission, check out our website at www.officerdownmemorialpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Production.